Welcome to the Legendarium Green Team. I'm Kip Tan, and joining me today, we have Little Red Book. Hello! Befuddled Panda. Hi, I'm here! Chesky. Hey, everybody. And Huron Fan. Good to be back. Awesome. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussion of the Murderbot Diaries. Since we were able to secure an advanced reader's copy of the book, the episode will be split into two sections. The first section will not contain spoilers. The second will contain spoilers for the whole series. Okay, let's open it up. Let's talk about general thoughts about this book. I know we all love Murderbot. How did we love Murderbot in this book? Oh, man. So the third sentence in, and I was like, I am so glad to be back in Murderbot's head. I just love its sass. It's, yeah, I'm, it's, I just love Murderbot. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just living okay. in Murderbot's head and hearing its thoughts. <laughs> I, who wants to talk critically about this book now? Oh, I have critical things to say. <laughs> No, not, not, not critical things to say about the book. Let's just engage critical reasoning. Panda. Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. I For me, Murderbot has be, become a comfort. And to have its sass, I really needed it, especially with the heavier books that I've been reading and the longer books. So to be back in Murderbot's head, and we get a lot more of Murderbot's thoughts in this one than I think we did in previous ones. And there are some interesting changes I picked up that I'm excited to talk about. Okay. Huron? Um, I also am very glad to be back with Murderbot. Um, uh, overall, I was slightly disappointed, even though like I still would give this four to five stars. But compared to the rest of Murderbot's uh, adventures, this was a bit of a step back for me. Jeski? So I guess that leaves me. I liked it. I thought... I, I kind of I don't know if it was a little too short or a little too long, but I just felt like maybe its size was a little bit off, and that in comparison to the rest of the series, this one feels especially isolated. Like you could pluck it and almost put it anywhere in a different series type. It's very mm. standalone, but not a standalone in my opinion. Like you couldn't actually read it as a standalone, but the story itself could be a standalone story if that makes sense. I think that's going to be an interesting topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have thoughts. Should we talk about it then? Well, not yet. Not yet. yet. (laughs) First, I'm going to go off. I really enjoyed this book. I had to remind myself about halfway through exactly where this book stood in the timeline. And I think that if if I hadn't done that, that I would have disliked this book quite a bit more. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because I spent the whole book wondering what where we were in the timeline and it was very confusing to me yeah i'm glad i got uh, clarification at the beginning i tried not to hold it against the book but it was difficult i did go back and reread certain sections of this book though and i really did appreciate it on a reread so it, mm. it definitely had that going for me i do think that there's some nice character moments in here there's some growth there's a nice plot that threads the whole thing together there's some mystery mm-hmm. overall solid book but I was definitely affected by coming off of network effect. Yeah, yeah, I definitely was. And I, uh, as I was reading it, I'm like, I swear, this is way different than where we're supposed to be. And like, what's going to happen? And <laughs> I kept thinking, maybe this is a prequel to the to number five, or maybe it's just after, or it's a long time after, and then we're going to come back. And so I, I did look it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's a prequel. They told us it was a prequel. Like, I should have yep. attention to that more. Yep, they they but, told uh, us that. Uh, oh, so, yeah, it's all me, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, and I would say that 
this is not my favorite mur Murderbot book. Um, I, I'm not sure which is my favorite, but this is definitely probably a 3.5. But I enjoy Murderbot so much that the plot, the plotting part didn't bother me. The problems I had with the plot didn't bother me, if that makes mm. sense. Can we talk about the how different it is in terms of structure compared to the other ones? Because this one felt more like, it is a genre book, but it felt more like a murder mystery. And the other ones aren't like that, right? Definitely a murder mystery. Yeah. Definitely much more police procedural. Yes. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that aspect. It added a destination in mind for the plot, which I don't think we'd had since maybe Exit Strategy. Exit mm -hmm. Strategy had a clear goal, which was an exfiltration plan. Right. Okay. Right. And like that was the goal of that book. And through various steps, it happened. And it was great. And then, you know, we go into Murderbot's mind, but that's kind of like a postscript. <laughs> and this one felt very much, okay, we set up what needs to happen at the start of this. We finish what needs to happen at the end of it. Uh, stuff happens in the middle. It makes great procedural sense. And it fits into that genre. It does. Which is action. It's, it's much more action-y. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I disagree. No, it's much more... It's much more Hercule Poirot. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to restate what I think of as action. <laughs> but but I did think there was some great action. But no, you're right. You're right. Red Red is dancing. Red is absolutely dancing in video chat right now because I said you're right. One thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this one being a murder kind of like a murder mystery genre or a sci-fi mystery genre is that it showed that, you know, at least to me, like murder bot can be in any, you know, she can change up the genre of any future books if she wanted similar to this story where this one is all about a murder and a mystery. You know, she could do other potential genre mashups in the future with murder bot, you know, as long as she can set up a nice premise and start for why it wants to do that. But mm -hmm. I think that flows really yeah. well that she can kind of, really branch off in any direction from here. And I think that's a plus to to where she went with it. This reminds me of previously I mentioned that to me Murderbot seems like a TV show and each like novella is an episode of the TV show. And this felt like one of those episodes where it's like, oh, they just had a twist where it's like, it's a procedural, even though normally it's not like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like, agree. It, it's a bottle episode. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, it's it's a bottle episode on a space station. What, what I enjoyed about this one, especially and being a genre in within a genre is that, like Chesky said, I think that uh, if she explored this again and decided to write in another genre, I would be all for it. I'm not a huge fan of police procedurals. It's fine. But what I did enjoy was seeing Murderbot's thought process and the way it thinks during those times. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. Same. Mm hmm. I I want to go back to Kip's comment. What is a bottle episode? A bottle episode is an episode of a show where all of the action of the plot takes place in like, oftentimes it's like a, a single room or a single building. But in this case, it's a space station. So it's in traditional TV series, they have the episodes. Star Trek is a really good example of this. Like they have the episodes where they go on planet and all that kind of stuff, and they're big, expensive episodes, but then they need to have a couple cheap episodes, and so they just take place in a small... God. Did you watch, did you watch Breaking Bad? Okay. So yeah, like, bottle episodes are built in pieces of interior setting that they already have. Mm. 
you don't need to do a lot of new world building or anything like just just set something in a previously explored space that we've already discussed already set up already invested time into uh, it. you, it's, okay. it's a way to reuse an asset in filmmaking i had never heard the term it's like not as bad in literature because it like in literature you, you don't have sets <laughs> it doesn't cost you extra money to build a new to go to a different world in your book. I mean, it could cost no. pages. Pages. It does. Like, it does. It, it does cost pages. A hand cramp while you're writing. I mean, yeah. if you write yeah, longhand. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anybody does that anymore. But I was gonna say, I thought when you meant when you said bottle episode that it was an episode you could just like in a bottle you could take it out of the story and you don't miss much. Well, that's also kind of what they do. That that is kind of kind of it too. Like. You can have big character development moments in bottle episodes, but often you tend not to. So, like, Community had an excellent bottle episode. Sorry, this is off topic. <laughs> this is off topic. <laughs> We're getting <Bye>. cut. <laughs> Deviations. Well, uh, Panda, did you watch that episode of Community? Question mark. I am not sure. <laughs> okay, it's the one where they're inside the room and Annie freaks out about her pen getting stolen. Not ringing a bell. But okay. now I know what it means. We're so, so off you. topic. <laughs> I'm cutting all of this. It's fine. No, keep it in. No, keep it in. It's gold. This is gold. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. We, we can me move, 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 moving away from the bottle episode, which is kind of what a prequel has to be. Like, mm -hmm. it has to fit into a world that has already been established and not disrupt anything too badly. And when you don't have a huge amount of time and you don't have... And when your character develops as slowly as Murderbot does, <laughs> <laughs> and it takes like severely traumatic events to make Murderbot change its mind about things, then a bottle episode really isn't allowed to change all that much. Uh, maybe more could have been done if this had been placed in a different spot rather than right with two books on either side of it. If it had yes. been free number one, then I think maybe you'd have more leverage or more opportunity for growth. Obviously, if it was the last book, you'd have more room for growth, but... I think also placing it between, in my opinion, the two best books in the series. Uh, I, with, with lots yeah. of character development in, in each book might have not been the best choice. Perhaps. Actually, yeah. That, I, that... I, do, I do like the place that it fills in the series. I do like the intermediate steps that it's showing of character growth. I like how Murderbot is able to... like it. Murderbot's on a swing of going... Of from like fearing to loving, and this is it's an intermediate step, and I enjoy it for what it is. Do you think that this could have been read without reading other books in the series? No, no, I do not, because we do not have enough context. For example, the corporation Rim or Doctor Mensa in Great order Chris. to have this stand on its own. Yep. Yeah. yeah. This was barely mentioned. You don't have to know about. I mean, I think, a little you bit. Do. I think you I think do. I think you need to know. You need to because... know why. I'm oh, sorry. I I disagree. You think why? it can be read alone? Uh, I think because it's a uh, a genre within a genre that people of who maybe are interested in murder bot, but they don't want to. They want to get a entry point with in a genre that they're more familiar with. And since it does really fill those beats pretty well, that it'd be a good. I mean, maybe with a little more context. I don't think they would get as much enjoyment out of it. It might actually be kind of boring. I feel like you'd be missing way too much early, just like, here's who Murderbot is, here's the situation it's in. You know, because without that, I don't think it talks very much about the governor modules, if it mentions them at all. 
You just know it's a thing it doesn't have. And I think you'd be missing too much of that really necessary context. Yeah. And, and the prejudice against Murderbot as a sec unit, like that wouldn't make sense unless you had. I think that those are fine. I think that to Huron's point, you could absolutely read this as a standalone and you would understand what's going on. You wouldn't have a level of emotional connection, though, to what's going on. We're really invested in these characters at this point. We have understandings about just how brutally awful the Corporation Rim is. We know things like that. And removing our prior knowledge of those things really would have robbed the book of a lot of richness of emotional responses from us. Uh, I think if Fugitive Telemetry had been the only novella in a series of novels, then it would work as a standalone, I think. A little better, at least. Because then, like you're in sense saying, you're, it's an easier way to introduce people to a series without getting too... Like, here's a big, thick book. Here's just a small novella you can... Then it would kind of help I mean, set them up. But I wouldn't want to give them six because that's in the middle of the series. And it's going to kind of, like, tell what's going to happen. But just, I think it'd be easier if it was the only novella in the series. I think that's like rewriting the series so much that it's really hard to draw conclusions out of. Like that's that is a far alternate reality. That I don't well, know. I don't know. Just... No, Let me I put it this way. I understand what Chesky's saying. Yeah, uh, I would not recommend this one as an entry point for anybody for the Murderbot Diaries. I don't. Think I would it... not either. Yeah. Nope. And the first one I is can... so short that it is just an excellent. I mean, it's like what four hours long to read, or something like that. Well, like, if your recommendation is that novellas are easier to listen to, the first one's a novella. Start there. Yeah, exactly. If I knew somebody was into police procedural or murder mysteries and I wanted them to read the series, I would start with this one. But otherwise, no, I would not recommend this to be the starting point in almost all cases. The reason why I asked that question is because, like, how it's marketed, it says it's a standalone adventure. And I feel like that's kind of doing the book a little disservice. I, I think it absolutely disservice. is a standalone adventurer, but it's not, that's not for people like us. No, no, it's for people who don't care as much about spoilers. It's for people who don't care as much about spoilers. I don't care about spoilers and I still wouldn't start with this. I think there's a difference between just saying it's a standalone book and saying, and saying that a, it should be your starting point. Yeah. And yeah or, or that it's just, it's like this book is separate from basically all of the other series. Like you don't technically have to I really guess. read the other ones, but if you do read it, it's just extra. So it's kind of like a standalone adventure for murder bot, but it's also in the series. I don't, it just, it made sense in my yeah, head a few seconds I, ago. I, I, I think I understand. Let's talk about it a slightly different way. Does this book, if you don't read it, detract anything from the series? No. Very minorly. I would say, I'd no. say absolutely not. Okay, so it's a standalone. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> now Kip can dance because <laughs> he's right. <laughs> I don't nobody, dance when I'm right. Said, Come on. Nobody said the magic words. We just. <laughs> He'd be dancing all the time, right? right? <laughs> I need to have some time to relax. Jeez. Oh my lord. I think. <laughs> I don't think the character development was strictly a hundred percent necessary to read to be able to go on with the series. But I do think it was nice to see, and you get a little bit more of an understanding of why certain people dislike him in this one, and then it can why it continues kind of on in the next one. And it's very minor; like it doesn't really matter, but it, it is there. I actually noticed a lot more this time on people being nice to Murderbot. 
and then Murderbot kind of responding poorly. In the Murderbot fashion. <laughs> <laughs> in the Murderbot fashion. Okay. I mean, the prejudice was obviously there, but there were more moments I noticed where people were treating it like a person. Hmm. Okay, let's go to part two of this book wait. series. Let wait, wait, wait. Oh, sorry. You got something else? Yeah, like, so I think what we're all saying is, oh my God. <laughs> cannot keep a straight face <laughs> um, so what we're all saying is that our recommendation would be that book six fugitive telemetry is something that you don't have to read like don't start with this one and you don't necessarily have to read it like to enjoy the series but if you really like Murderbot, then do read this book and read it right after book four Yes. And read it after Book yes. 4. I would say you don't even have to love Murderbot. You can just like Murderbot. And yeah, you can just it. like Murderbot. Read this after okay. 4. You'll be very happy yeah. and you won't notice anything wrong. Right? So like we, we all did. We recommend <laughs> this book. We recommend oh, yeah. this book. Yep. Yes, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I, I recommend I it. I absolutely recommend this book. There's no way I would... I'm going to read this book again. I'm going to read it like three or four more times. I know that. I'm so yeah. excited for when the audio comes out and I can listen to it while I count money at work. <laughs> I love the audiobook <laughs> narrator. He is great. He's really great. Okay. Let's move on to full spoilers for the series, for the book. Every book that is Every available. Book. All of them. So if you're not at, interested in those. Including uh, Network Effect? Shut yes. us off. Come down. Yes, including Network Effect. Okay. So let's actually dive into what happened in this book. Mystery. There was a saboteur. There were refugees. There was an escape attempt. There was a takeover mid-flight using a safety bubble. There was, uh, and then there was a combat unit th throwdown. The only one combat unit, sorry, there was a combat bot throwdown. The only one combat bot this time, which honestly to me was a little bit of a letdown. But the way that it got resolved was not through bloody violence this time. So I liked that. What are people's favorite scenes? There were also people who we thought were bad guys, but then turned out were just really stupid. Kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> they okay, were really? stupid. They were just. They were? Well, they were. They were dumb. It was the people who like held them at gunpoint. I don't think yeah. that's stupid. I think that's it, just. They, uh, they, they panicked. Yeah. They were panicked people. Yeah. Especially they come from like Incompetent. some of the lawless areas. Yes, in common as well. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to judge them like that. I, I think based on where they come from, that makes complete sense. Where like they explain themselves pretty well, in my opinion. Okay, I can see it. I think that they were incompetent, but their explanation makes sense. But it doesn't make them not incompetent <laughs> at what they were doing. <laughs> ah. Operation Rim is a horrible place, and it encourages horrible behaviors. Um, I thought until Murderbot found the transport where you know the murdered person was actually murdered and before it was moved i thought until that point the book was kind of boring but that would that took like i don't know how many pages because i read it electronically but it felt like 15 percent of the book i think it took significantly more than that right really uh, yeah i did i okay. until I murderbot say... found the murdered people or until murderbot found the people who were still alive which part or the murder uh, location. murdered people murdered location oh the murder people yeah that was that was short that was pretty short but after, uh, but once it found that ship that like started freaking out and like sending weird mixed signals, then I got like in, uh, interested like that. I would say yes, I agree. It was a bit of a slow start. I already said I didn't mind it because I just loved yeah. hanging out with Murderbot. I was like, woo! 
I didn't feel like it was much of a slow start. I feel like one of the things that these books have to do in order to get us to understand Murderbot is to show us Murderbot at times which are not times of crisis. And so giving us a little bit of time before the crisis of this book starts gives us a glimpse at the daily activities of Murderbot and a more like normal everyday vantage point of what it has to go through in life. And I enjoy those little glimpses. Like Red said, I, I enjoy hanging out with Murderbot. And it's nice to be able to see what it's like without the pressures of a murder investigation on it. <laughs> well, I, I say that I think it's a slow start because there was a lot of like history being given. Like when Murderbot came to preservation and Mensa told station security that, hey, this is a sec unit who doesn't have a governor module and all that process. It was quite a bit of setup and like bridging the gap between book four and this one. Hmm. So yeah. that's why I feel like it was a bit slow. That's not to say I didn't enjoy it, but it's it's not like boom, 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 fast pace like it normally would be. It doesn't start out with a monster eating a person. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did appreciate that they were bridging that gap, but I did not appreciate, as you said, how much they felt they needed to show. That's why I think the whole yeah. standalone thing, it, it kind of works against this book a little bit because there were there was more explanation given to really make it more standalone. Kieran. I also didn't think the beginning was as funny as the other novels. I, it got a lot funnier. Like I, I write down every time something in the book makes me laugh. Really? Yeah, Jeez. and there there were just there were just fewer of them at the beginning, and probably because of what Panda said, there was a lot of setup and like a lot of explanation and less snarkiness from our protagonist. I disagree, but okay. <laughs> I thought it was there, but I don't know. <laughs> like I literally the third think... sentence of the book. I, I do think there was less murder bot and more other people talking than there generally is. Yeah. But especially Mensa and Inda. Yeah. And that Turl guy <laughs> person. <laughs> Yeah. Those scenes were always super funny, though, when, when Daryl started saying, like, yeah, this is what I figured out. And it's, you know, either exactly what Murderbot said, <laughs> or it's something that Inda didn't want Murderbot to know. And <laughs> he gets the glare, Terrell gets the glare, and, and he's like, oh, I guess I'll, I'll shut up now. I'm sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> didn't you want to I mean, know I... what, that, what I just found out? Like, I thought it was interesting. Everybody that was a great dichotomy. Great dichotomy. <laughs> Either either useless or compromising. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I mean, we never it got useless. It was just, you know, Murderbot had already figured it out, but nobody believed it, or nobody believed it. Yeah. Sorry, either redundant or compromising. I guess that's fair. <laughs> I'll tell you one of my favorite scenes, or like my couple favorite scenes. I definitely enjoyed Detective Murderbot, number one. <laughs> That's that's his new cap, and if every new name novella he wants to pursue a new career, I am totally down for it, doing whatever. But I loved that they're able to bribe Murderbot by taking him to shows or like play yes. musicals, <laughs> and he loves them. You know, he hates people, but he loves watching musicals and plays and things. And he's like, "Oh yeah, like I'll okay, you, you know, you could take me to that thing, and I'll go with you, but just this once. But really, it's you know every time." Live entertainment. Yeah. Here in. If we're going on to like favorite scenes, yeah. Uh, I already said I really, really enjoyed the tension when it found that crazy ship. Uh, mm -hmm. But also <laughs> the, the derelict ship, the one that was like a, a museum. I thought that was really creepy and uh, written really well. That was very cool. 
Well, that that was just part of preservation, right? Yeah, it was a. The, yeah, I think it was that the was original like ship. A, hmm. Yeah, the original colony ship or preservation when they arrived there. What they did was they just left it in orbit and they transformed part of it into the space station. Right. And a bunch of the rest of it, they just kind of left in original pristine condition because preservation, preserved. they don't throw anything away. Yes. <laughs> they preserve their ship. <laughs> they preserve their ship. They preserve the people. That's what they do. And I really did enjoy stepping back in time, hundreds of years of technology. That was really cool. I mean, it had a lot, a lot of really fun. great detail, like, the dining room menu was still hanging on the wall and little things like that, that just set the atmosphere. And like little and world building up there. Yeah. Sort of field trips. Exactly. Cool. It reminded me of like Lowell or like the USS constitution, little bits of history preserved. Maybe it's because I live in new England. I don't know, but you know, I mean, I went on the sub that they have in Chicago. That was really cool. Yeah. That is. Really yeah. Cool. Oh, like, yeah. Like the intrepid. Yeah. 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 And I like that. It had all the equipment he it needed to rescue. It had like the, like <laughs> the bubble, the, the safety bubble, the sound effects. It blurped on the side of the ship. Oh, like, I just yeah. laughed so hard every time he looks that like, up. It, he says like it wasn't really a bump; it was more like a blorp. I love it so much. <laughs> it blorped back to the other ship. It blorped yeah. back over here. It's just like, well, why are you introducing this weird word to us right now? It's great. I love it. I don't know if you guys saw her tweet when she she got, apparently got in a car accident. She's fine, and she has this tweet where she's talking to her, her car and she's like it's okay honey <laughs> i can't remember the exact words but she, yeah. it's like it was just such a anyway you sorry. have pieces falling off of you it's okay. exactly <laughs> you know you can't work right now it's okay baby anyway. so my favorite scene was the final confrontation between murderbot and balin mm. balin balin i'm gonna say balin and balin was a combat bot and there's a moment during the fight where, or after the fight, where Murderbots, might even be before, honestly, somewhere around that fight, Murderbot goes through a quick rundown of how Balin, as a combat bot, was only capable of doing the basics of attempting to conceal a murder. Wasn't able to plan all of the contingencies, wasn't able to get away with the perfect crime, even though it came equipped with murder devices and trace removal fields baked into its hardware. That distinction, that classification between just a bot and a construct like Murderbot, it just keeps getting brought up. And this time it was in Murderbot walked into that confrontation with no regrets, but also a level of suicide. <laughs> like Murderbot has a bit of a death wish. A bit suicidal, yes. Yeah. Murderbot is a bit suicidal. It's the combat method that they were trained in as sec units, they throw themselves at the enemy until one or both of them dies. Yeah, because usually they can be fixed. Yep, but then all of the robots intervene. All, all oh, of I know yeah, that was all great. of the bots on the dock. <laughs> they they come in and, and see murder. And they yeah, murder jolly is... baby, jolly <laughs> baby. I love jolly that. baby. <laughs> I love a... that. The thing that's interesting is that Murderbot is very skeptical about the freedom. I'm using air quotes for you people yep. who are listening. She um, is, I can <laughs> that they give the bots on preservation and that whole scene, like the, the bots are like, this is our home. We're going to defend it, which kind yeah, of, that was our friend. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, I just thought that was a really cool resolution of his uh, its skepticism about the whole freedom thing. Yeah, and murder and also during the, that fight has no idea if Balin and the combat bot are different bots. Yeah, has no idea. Could have it could have been one bot just presenting a facade, or it could have been Balin could have been just like a second bot that was hiding the true combat bot underneath, but. If you live as a bot for 25 years, aren't you a true, like, aren't you true sentience? Aren't you a, an individual? Then if you just get erased one day. Yeah. Well, that was That's... kind of a tricky thing because it was its secondary procedures just got brought to the top again. Well, right? Murderbot so... doesn't know that. That We well, don't know. We know that, but I don't no, think we don't. Murderbot... We don't know. I think we do. I think no. it was pretty explicit. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty explicit yeah. that... He had he had one job was to be a fake kind of you know loader for the most of the time. And he had the second set of directives. Then his first corporation went bankrupt, and so yeah. his second directive never got activated. He just kept being his own self, you know, the Balin. Yeah. And then afterwards, the database was reconstructed. The new company sent the codes, activated him, and then that yeah. that's basically the kill for the switch from Balin pure to fake Balin. Uh, combat unit that was so sad we don't know that that's how that switchover worked and murderbot uh, doesn't know we don't know it's very specifically left unclear for the reader and for no, murderbot I, I disagree i that's pretty explicit yeah. it seems no, pretty no, explicit kip, to me kip's right the the only perspective we have is murderbots and this is all murderbots uh yeah. internal thoughts so that's like true. Mur murderbot might be right but that's just what Murderbot Mur Murderbot is the expert here, and I will defer to them. And Murderbot says that they have no idea. They can't know. But they also well, gave an explanation. They gave an, expla they gave an explanation, absolutely, for how the bot wasn't hacked, but was just fulfilling program directives. But they didn't explain what happened, like who the original Balin personality was that had been there for 25 years completely unactivated. I think we might be talking about two different things, actually. I, I think we're talking a little, like, it's very similar, but they're two different things. I oh, it's it's, we were... it's very similar. But, but like, there's a, there's a semantic distinction and a philosophical one about if there were two bots inhabiting one body, or if there was a switchover where one bot erased the other, or if the bot suppressed the other. There's all, there's multiple different things that could have happened, and Murderbot doesn't know which one, and Murderbot doesn't know that when attempting to kill Balin, that they were potentially killing an innocent bot along with a guilty one. Murderbot does not know that. Yeah, what what I meant about being explicit is that the bot had secondary commands that got triggered, and that's what yeah, that's what I made meant the bot do the killing. Murderbot, that's like right. in the book, though, says that it might act be, be two separate bots in one body. No, I, I think I, that's before he realizes everything, but sorry, go ahead here. No, it's after. It's during the fight. I think what... Yeah, I agree with Pando. I think we're talking about different things. I was under the impression that we were speaking about how this happened, like how it got the codes working, how they switched up the thing, and not about actually changing it. Yeah. Identity. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the identity. Yeah, we were talking about two different things. <laughs> yeah, we were. <laughs> Uh, the other and the other bot seemed to think that the combat unit killed Balin. Yes. So yes. Yeah. yeah to say, them, yeah. to them, it yeah. was their friend that got deleted or killed, right? 
And so that's that was their response. The other bots definitely did not see Balin anymore, and they saw the combat bot in its place. But it's not clear exactly why that combat bot did that. Exactly why or how. Yeah, I'll be get our murder bots thoughts on how it might but murder bot did not kill balin the other bots combined and in a grand show of unity and overwhelming force balin just shut down yep that was pretty amazing so no murder was done in a murder bot book (laughs) (laughs) there was murder done there was murder done it just wasn't done on screen (laughs) it's like literally the end of the body (laughs) very first page fine Fine. <laughs> Another great scene is Murderbot rescuing the refugees, and he says, like literally in his head, a page before, he's like, "I hated rescuing my clients or giving them guns. You know, half the time they shot me or they shot each other. <laughs> and then, not even like a page or two later, one of the refugees grabs a gun and shoots him in the back, and yep. he's just like, "What did I tell you guys? Like, <laughs> no, that the rescue scene was my favorite, mostly because of the blurping of the." The rescue back. The blurp. blurp. That was probably the funniest, the funny, most concise funniness in the book. I don't know how to put that, but it had the most funny parts in the smallest amount of space. (laughs) Enjoy the book manages to do a hard vacuum maneuver on me and does it well. I enjoy that. (laughs) Spacewalks, emergency airlocks, those are exciting things to me. And I'm happy when I see them in books. Great scenes. Great I'd scene. rather have magic, but okay. <laughs> Anybody else have a scene they want to add? It wasn't one of my favorites, but the interrogation scenes. I actually thought the interrogations themselves were kind of boring, but I really liked Murderbot's commentary during it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which is the theme for this you know, type of story. Right. Speaking about that, let's go to what did Murderbot learn during this book? Because in every book, Murderbot has learned something. Sometimes it's not quite as large a concept as it is in other books, but, and I think this is definitely one of them, but what did Murderbot learn in this book? Red. I already said what he learned. He learned about the preservation treatment of their bots was genuine. It wasn't feigned, which it assumed that it was feigned or some sort of like fake thing. At least that's what I thought he learned. Or at least the the bots are uh, complicit and they are uh, complicit's a bad word, but they're happy about the deal. <laughs> complicit's a very bad word. Complicit <laughs> <laughs> means something else. <laughs> I'll use complicit. I'll use complicit. I mean, they, they are complicit. Me. They're, yeah, they're complicit in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> what yes, content is the, the word I was going for. Panda, how about you? What do you think Murderbot learned? I think it's more about Murderbot finding belonging, because at the end, you saw how the bots on the station like cared about each other and like banded to i mean avenge i guess or protect one another and murderbot hadn't had that quite before because when they're sec units with governor modules they're not supposed to they're not friends right they can't really have friends and at the end it got to see, you know, like bots looking out for each other. There was one part earlier in the series where Murderbot recognized the sacrifice the comfort bots made on Milu to help save the humans and all, yeah, all that. But this time it got to experience it for itself in real time. I think with Panda's note and with Red's note, these are things that have already been explored in the Murderbot series to some extent. 
I mean, I think it's been expanded upon, but I think I agree. You mean like in network? I think in network effect more so, but that one is. We have Mickey. We have Mickey in the third book. The dog. And dog bot. The dog bot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just call Mickey it's a dog bot? No, no. I'm saying that, that there is a there is a small bot that I, I can't remember the names of the details, but there I, was I, one. But I we have we have, we have Nin Art. Like I, I agree with Yaren that these are topics which have been covered before. So what I think that Murderbot actually learned in this series is how to interface with other members of the preservation staff without Mensa. Like this is Murderbot developing professional skills and relationships within its field of expertise, which is security, and using that to draw closer to Supervisor Inda and to other members of the preservation apparatus, which have started to accept it. And I, th I think it's those building of relationships inside of specifically preservation station, which is like a very limited scope. I get that, but everything's got to start somewhere. And this is where that starts. For the listeners, I'm giving a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that I think one thing that Murderbot learned in this book, similar to kind of what you were saying just now, Kipton, is that people's opinions can change and change for the better towards Murderbot, where usually in all of his interactions, you know, they change for the worse. You know, he meets them. I wouldn't say in all. I said most, but okay. I think like 95 <laughs> of interactions with people before this book, aside from like our main characters, people are like, oh, and then they learn he's a sec unit, and then they immediately become distrustful or scared or afraid of him. Um, and he learns that people... Like, I'd say that like since, since the... For every book, there's been someone who has come to Murderbot's side. And yeah. not just our main characters, but other I people too. There's been Art, there's been character. Dona Bean, there's been Mensa, there's been Pinley and Gurithin. That's her opinion has never wavered, though. Well, her I'm saying Mensa was, was the first book person. Right. But Mensa's well, opinion by the never, end. never got better towards him. She's always been a constant, you're a good person, you're a good, you know, sec unit, and we like you. You know, it's never been, oh, I'm distrustful of you, I'm worried for I, you, and then I join, I like you more at the end. They're very consistent. Everybody either kind of likes him or distrusts him. And then I don't the think that about Mensa. Well, not Mensa. Well, I think, Mensa, think Mensa, Mensa treats Murderbot as a human at the start of the series, but does not like Murderbot. And liking grows over the course of the first book. I but agree, she cause... never treats him differently. Even when she thinks he's a human, when she thinks Murderbot's a human, she treats you know Murderbot just as fair as she treats Murderbot after she learns that he's a it's a sec unit. No, Mensa always knew Murderbot was a sec unit because she had to rent. Well. I'm just saying, like, I, Mensa was very much against the renting of Murderbot. Yeah, that was the whole thing in the first book. Been a while. I'm just saying that I think <laughs> we see the opinions change from from you know bad on the bad side of my intentions towards you more to the good. Now we have seen it before, but I think on this one we see it a little bit more, and we also see that you know Murderbot is not always 100 percent right, and he knows it now too. He's got irrefutable. Murderbot has been very willing to denigrate themselves and especially the risk assessment module in the past. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Murderbot always makes the best decisions according to that, right? <laughs> he actually he at one point says something along the lines of it knows that it's irrational and it wish it wasn't it wasn't as rational as it was. Something I can't remember the exact quote. Oh my god. 
Never mind. I'll think of it I'm later. I'm so glad you shared. <laughs> I hate you so much, Karen. <laughs> Karen with the... Karen needs to play some more D&D &D so he can say weird things. <laughs> okay. I think like, we're pretty good. I think we're pretty good. Any final impressions on the book? I have a lot to Any, say. You have a lot to say? You've been, you've been so quiet. It's hard to get a word in. <laughs> Hand guys, you're on your yourself. <laughs> it's been working great uh, for Huron. <laughs> so there, yes, I do have quite a bit to say. What do you want to say, Panda? Um, so there's, uh, I feel like there's been more, okay, the growth that I see in Murderbot here is that it is relying less on some of the things that we saw in the previous installments where when Murderbot gets like anxious or upset, it just like puts on the, its shows to watch. We don't get as much of that in this one. Like we don't get very much of Murderbot is watching Sanctuary Moon or Murderbot is watching whatever, right? It was, there's a yep. mention, a couple mentions of it, but it doesn't actually watch its media. And it's been very focused on the task at hand and figuring out the murder mystery. So to me, I think that's a bit of a growth where it's developed more like- Resilience. What's it Resilience, yeah. And it's picked up more on body language. You, especially the first few pages, we get a lot of, oh, it's like Murderbot and Mensa have this unspoken language that they're able to communicate. It makes comments about, oh, that glare from Mensa, this is what it means. She folded her arms, or she's, you know, this is what it means. Like, there's more familiarity that's developed between the two of them that I really liked. Yeah. And Murderbot is a sensitive person. When Inda, Inda says, like, to Mensa, just because you're accustomed to using a dangerous weapon doesn't mean it can't turn on you or harm others. And Murderbot's response was like, okay, wow. But it wasn't like it hurt <laughs> my feelings or anything. Not at all. I was used to this. Completely used to it. And I, that, that was total sarcasm. <laughs> like, right? Which makes me wonder, and I think we may have mentioned this before, how does this book translate to other languages and other culture? Because there's so much sass and like, I don't know, American culturism, the way of communication in it. So I just wonder... And they translate it very carefully. <laughs> Hopefully. I also thought it was interesting where DNA was specifically called out to be not a form of verifiable ID. Like, yeah, it's full body scans were more accurate. And I thought that was great. It's just like, yeah, it's, um, it's true. It's true. And they're, they're already <laughs> doing that. Really? Yeah. It's more of like in a traditional crime procedural right it's always about the dna the dna we're gonna find out <laughs> who the killer is by the dna and and here martha wells is just like dna it's not useful it's not uh well, it's accurate. not not useful it's just not no because in i i can very well see and this is a great part of sci-fi is that it lets you take things like a couple hundred years in the future and a couple hundred years in the future there is easily going to be a small handheld device that can replicate a spray that contains DNA from any individual you want to target. Like well, that's not what I was. Any spy saying. would be able to get access to that, and, and not just any <laughs> spy, but like any doctor, probably. Yeah, I mean, what I meant by not useful is like you can't identify the killer's identity. 
right. via right. The, a DNA match or even like the person's, the dead person's identity. And then there was another part where Murderbot was asked by station security to share its name to put on a public feed, oh, yeah. the public feed ID. And that was a very interesting moment because you see Murderbot's thoughts where, oh, I don't want to give them my real name, which is Murderbot, mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. But it could have picked any other name and it considered Rin, right? But yeah. it chose Sec Unit. And that was very interesting. And I guess, like, why do you think Murderbot chose Sec Unit for its name? I think that's an example of Murderbot showing us exactly how far it hasn't come. Really? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Because I think it had to do with the fact that he, it's not, it's not ready to let other it's people not, see itself. It's not ready to display its chosen name yet. Right, exactly. It's not ready to. So it's, going, so it's going to use a default until it comes to a more long-term agreement on what it's going to be, on what it, the name is going to be. Kieran. I think it was an F you to everybody who treats Murderbot <laughs> as a sec unit Murderbot. Uh, I think you can yeah. have a two for one in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you guys are just going to see me as some, You guys are going to see me how you want. So you know what? I'll give you the name that you're, you're expecting. Yep. Interesting. Okay. I had a, a different take on it, but I, I can definitely see like the reason you guys have given. My take on it was that, and it's probably wrong. It's probably right. Thanks, <laughs> Sure, you're nice to panda here. <laughs> um, because one of the things that, I mean, Murderbot even made the, the point, like, it grew its hair longer to not look like a psych unit, right? It, it did all these modifications, but it still chose to use psych unit as its public feed ID. And I chose to read that as it's accepted itself. Like I am a psych unit. I don't need to hide. And you're going to see my name as psych unit. And that's what it is. That's who I am. So yeah, it's interesting. We have a little, we have different takes. I, yeah, I I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think you're wrong. Thank you. I, I take I, back what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could be a bit of both, to be honest, because that would be like me making my feed human or something like that but not willing to let people in. So I can kind of see where you're coming from. I think you're mostly wrong, but I, I think you might be a little bit right. Be wrong. I can <laughs> definitely we, we, be wrong. We need Jesse's like opinion. last name, you know, Murderbot's I think more along the lines with you, Panda, that it's a little bit of, of Murderbot kind of a little maturing, but more I think it's just, you know, I don't want to give my own name. That's going to be too scary. So he, it shows sec unit because that's kind of like, that's who it is. Like deep down at heart, it is a sec unit. It'll always be a sec unit, even with the modifications. You know, Murderbot is still a sec unit, just like I'm still a person, no matter what I change or you know happens to me. So by going by sec unit, he's just it's putting it out there. You know, I'm a sec unit. That's who I am. And I, you could you know say it's its last name. You know, Murderbot sec unit, and it's just going by its last name versus its first name. Because obviously it doesn't want to scare everybody and be like, oh no, there's a bot named Murderbot in all the feeds. Like, you know, let's cause a panic. You know, <laughs> Murderbot instinctively knows. Like, you know, maybe I shouldn't tell everybody that that's the name I picked for myself because, you know, I murder things. But 
you know, he knows the, it knows the context behind it, but nobody else would. I think that Murderbot is actually going to pick a name other than Murderbot by the end of the series. I could easily see that happening. Maybe not completely abandoning the Murderbot moniker, but maybe another one as well. Maybe like Jim Murderbot. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> the what? first name. A person's name. So it's like Charles Chuck. Yeah, Whatever. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like like a famous Kyle. hockey player. Exactly. Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> Kyle um, Murderbot Stevens. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of names, I don't know if you guys picked up on this. Kyle Murderbot Mensa. <laughs> no. Um, there is a bot that Murderbot interacts with very early on, and it's the one that basically gives a bunch of information to to Murderbot, and the name of the bot is Tell Us. Tell Us. <laughs> Tell Us. I thought that was a nice touch. I mean, I don't know if that was intentional, but I'm, <laughs> I'm reading it as intentional. Is that the hotel bot? It tells us a lot of information. Other things that I liked. So Murderbot went one by one to each transport to basically try to figure out if any of them was involved in the murder or the mystery. And it needed to have a different approach for every one of them. And Murderbot just specifically said... I can't even program this. Like, I can't even put on my shows and just, like, let it run. I have to, like, individually uh, communicate. And to yeah. me, that that was more of... Um, I think there are some parts in this where Murderbot experienced more of what it is to be human. And I'm specifically using the word human because humans are less capable than constructs. And Murderbot had to do things the hard way, the human way. <laughs> Um, for quite a few things, oh, and oh, that's not at all how I took that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, be because the reason why I say that is that Murderbot says possibly I should just stop complaining like a human and get on with it. And it was recognizing that oh, I'm doing things that are human. That what that's what humans do. How do you the take exact it? Exact opposite of how I took that. How do you take it? I took it as okay. This is what a sec unit is qualified to do. This is a thing that a sec unit can do faster than a human or a bot because it has the understanding of complex conditions and procedures that its neural networks and its larger cognition than a bot has brought to it. Not that, you know, art would be incapable, but a bot the size of murder bot would probably not be able to do it. And it is also doing it so so it's got that it's got that human side but it also has the bot side of being able to communicate in its head through the feed with all of these bots using protocols that it knows from its bot side programming using all of those computer skills. Maybe if it wasn't so much of a construct and having both sides, it would be able to do that more effectively as just a pure bot because art would absolutely not complain while doing that task, but Murderbot does. I, I think I, I think I lean with Panda. I think the the gist of that was more he's just talking to them. You know, he goes up to every state and he talks to them and he says, you know, he has to talk differently to each one. He has to approach each one differently. The protocols, the networking, that was less important than actually like figuring out how to communicate to how to communicate to this bot and say, 
you know, I need this information and how to communicate to this next bot. I need this information yeah. because Inda could have just gone to station security and station security could have just pulled all of the bots at once. Right. So like you said, though, Kip, Murderbot can't do that because it promise not to hack. And it's also yeah. because it can't, you know, physically do all of them at once. But I felt like the point was saying it's the communication that matters, not not the networking part of it that that affects it. That's me. I think that there's absolutely an element of the human connection that Murderbot is taking advantage of there, but I don't think that it's causing Murderbot to like learn how to be more human because it's contact with bots. But I do think that I think you're missing uh, the point. <laughs> that having so many individual contacts in such a short period of time is very much like working at a call center, which is a very human thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just agree to disagree on that then. I have no opinion on either side of this argument. Sorry. That's very, very, very informative there. I know. (laughs) It's actually kind of weird for me not to have. It's weird for me to you not to have an opinion too. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Any more thoughts since you had so many? That's all I got because. I'm going to aggressively disagree with Little Red about the titles of books. (laughs) They're terrible. The titles are terrible, but we've discussed this previously. They're, they're both wrong. They're great. They're amazing. Yeah. You're in the where it's at. Artificial Condition is a terrible title. Okay, I can't say all of them are like singers, but like, they're not bad. Exit Strategy, I love. All of them is right is good. Exit Strategy is good. Network Effect is good. Yep. Fugitive, to- Fugitive Telemetry, no. It's a terrible title. Like I said it to my friend and he looked at me. He's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is this? What does that mean? I was like, fugitive. (laughs) I think everybody can figure that one out. And then telemetry is the tougher one. (laughs) But together they make no sense. There's a fugitive. That's all you need to know. That's like. They do in the future. What? Fugitives that send signals. Yeah. I guess. It's a terrible title. Fugitives in sci-fi. Oh, that'd be a good title. Fugitive that sends signals. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that there is a fugitive that sends signals in this book. It's true. It's true. Okay. So thank you for joining us today on the Legendarium Green Team. Please join the Legendarium Discord or Reddit to yell at us about what we got wrong. Uh, That might be a lot this episode. Or shout out to (laughs) at Green Team Pod on Twitter. If you're an exceptionally generous and kind soul, please donate to Legendarium on Patreon. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.